you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Monday, December 5th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access. The podcast. Those are the voices of today's special guests. Voice number one belongs to the man who seems to think that because he's wise and kind and polite and prepared, good at his job and both liked and admired, that I'm not on to him. But don't kid yourself, I am... Mike Yam. I thought you were talking about Mooch no, with that setup. I I'm am like, Mike Yam. I was like, let's, I, ro- let's roll. I didn't re- That's a great introduction. Mike. Voice number two belongs yeah, to I the am. man who is acting in a manner that, quite honestly, I would describe as suspicious, if not shady today. Why? Because he didn't put up a fight when, earlier this morning, both his Packers and his Lions were left off of the TA broadcast rundown. What are you up to, Steve Mariucci? Do I have to answer that right now? You I'm, don't, I'm, but I'm think about anything. it, and I want to remind you, you are under oath. On today's episode, Monday questions inspired by Sunday contests. Questions like, which version of the Cowboys should we believe? The mostly unimpressive version we saw in quarters one through three on Sunday night, or the mostly unstoppable version we saw in quarter number four? Questions like, which quarterback injury is more damaging to his team's hopes and dreams this season, Lamar Jackson's or Jimmy G's? Questions like, did former run coordinator Mike McDaniel forget that Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson were options? Questions like, why are the Philadelphia Eagles not the lead story on every single sports show in America today like this one? Because we begin with this. Burrow wants to throw, short pass, caught at the five, Chris Evans into the end zone, touchdown, Bengals, Cincinnati takes the lead. The headline, Wincy in Cincy, that was certainly the story of the Chiefs' final minutes in this one. Final score, Bengals 27, Chiefs 24, and in doing so, Joe Burrow becomes the first quarterback to better Patrick Mahomes three straight 
times. Here's my question, gentlemen. Coach, are the Bengals living rent-free in the heads of the Kansas City Chiefs? Hmm. 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. Now, Tom Brady's got three wins against him, but also three losses. But this is... This is now. And the funny thing is, all three wins are the same score, 27 to 24. So that means a three-point win, right? Is that a domination? No, it's not. But still, it adds up to three L's, right? So these teams will meet again. Let's just face it. And, and you know what? It probably will be in Kansas City. Can I surmise, can I infer, based on the look that the listener can't see and what you said that you're thinking <clears throat> AFC Championship game? That's the next time these two teams face each other? Uh, don't know if that'll be the case because I think the two top seeds could be, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo. And, and they might be, the, that, that, that game might be reserved for them. I don't know. But Cincinnati's going to play either one of them in the divisional game, it looks like. Copy that. I'll ask the same question of you, Mike Am, just because I'm curious to hear how you take it. Are the Bengals living rent-free in the heads of the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, these are close football games. You know, if they were blowouts, or at least one of them was, I, I might think differently about it. I'm not overly concerned. I think it's, hey, they have a recipe. They understand what it takes to go and win some of these football games. You know, this is a Cincinnati team that was probably feeling themselves a little bit, knowing Jamar Chase was back in the lineup. Like, there was reasons for for optimism in for this matchup. Dude, we're talking about two of the top, what, three, four quarterbacks in the NFL? Mm -hmm. I don't think – I almost feel like it's disrespectful to say, hey, look at Cincinnati. Look what they've been able to figure out. Like, Cincinnati's a good football team. Last time I checked, they were in the Super Bowl last year. So I I, I know what your question is, and I actually think there's something to it, but I just think this is one of those matchups where – This happens in sports. Like, one team gets the better of another, and we'll see what happens in the postseason. Well, two reasons why I asked that particular question. One is because we are seeing things occasionally that come from the Kansas City Chiefs against the Bengals that we don't see them do against other teams. Example number one, Andy Reid taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands on fourth down and choosing instead to kick the 56, 57-yard yeah. field yeah. goal. What was it? 55. 55-yard <laughs> field goal. Butker came woefully short. Reed defended his decision later, saying if we didn't think he was going to make it, we wouldn't have gone for it. But something tells me that against another team, in another scenario, they go for it. The second thing that we see, Travis Kelsey fumbling. And now the ball's out. Cincinnati rips it away from Kelsey. They're going to say this is a fumble. After the Travis Kelsey fumble, Joe Burrow goes 6-for-7 on that ensuing drive that ended in the Chris Evans four-yard touchdown. But I want to talk about the final drive. The final drive where the Bengals, if you keep the ball and you run out the clock, you have won the game. There was a third and five play to Jamar Chase. Here's Chase looking for a play. Gets the block and appears to have a first down. There was a third and 11 throw to T. Higgins that for my money, coach, was the best throw I saw all day. Burrow drops back to throw, wants to throw. His pass over the middle. It is caught by T. Higgins in traffic at the 14. And that is Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. Joe Burrow was, he was imperious. He was impervious. He was Joe Cool when it mattered most. You must have been impressed with what you saw from that young man yesterday in Cincy. Well, I know what Joe Cool means. I don't know what impervious means, but I I think that he was showing the world that they are going to rely on him to make a play in clutch. And man, can he do that? It's, uh, you know, we don't talk enough 
I'm glad we're starting the show with Cincinnati Bengals because they're a, they're a real fun team to talk about. They're not the Dallas Cowboys or or Tom Brady's Patriots, whatever that is. But you know what? They're a solid football team. They they believe Joe Burrow can make every play, and they count on him. And they never they you know even when Jamar Chase wasn't there, they they just feel he's just going to be uh, he's going to be super each week. When Jamar Chase wasn't there, they relied for the first couple weeks on Joe Mixon. Mixon gets injured, they turn to Samaj P. Ryan, who you have a great story about. Can I hear your uh, Samaj well, P. Ryan? You, you guys uh, danced, I think, together? We in danced, all right. So I, I used to do a show called Game Changers, and we would have the kids that are coming into the draft uh, spend a day with them uh, on the field doing drills, every position, and, uh, you know, the whole thing. But, well, he was he was in it, and he I, I was holding a bag by mistake. I should had I should have had Yammer hold the bag. All right, <laughs> should have had Mike Grable hold the bag. Somebody bigger than me should. And he was supposed to cut. I I, I didn't coach the drill well enough because he was supposed to cut off of me. He ran me over. <laughs> he, it, it still hurts. Okay, I couldn't breathe. I thought my lungs were punctured. He is the strongest dude that I've ever seen that carries a football. It, it was in it was When you incredible. see him now, do you remind him of that? No, I remind me of that. I watch every time he runs into the line of scrimmage and pushes the pile. I go, I get it, because that guy's strong. Okay, serious question, Mike Yam. If you are the defending AFC champ, as you mentioned before, and you are routinely better than the AFC's best, Kansas City Chiefs, they've been to four straight yep. uh, AFC championship games. They have hosted four straight AFC championship games. I think it's fair to say that they are the AFC best. Cincinnati is routinely better. If you are both of those things, does that make you, by transitive property of NFL excellence, the best team in the AFC? I'm not quite there because there is something to be said for actually playing the games and the totality of a season. That said, Cincinnati's in a situation that every team that's in the upper echelon of the AFC slash NFL wants to be in. And that has the recipe for success against Kansas City. We saw some of the moves that the Bills made. Those moves in the offseason, at least in my mind, are squarely centered around how do we get over the hump and beat Kansas City? Cincinnati's already got that formula. And by the way, because we could talk about individual players that really thrived in this past game or some of the issues that were there. How about this? Joe Burrow was sacked one time in this game. We've made a lot of this offensive line. If if Joe Burrow is going to stay upright, I'm sorry, maybe they are the best team in the NFL, but you sack him one time in this game? I, to me, that's a, that's a telling stat considering what the Achilles heel of that squad has been. It's funny. He did a lot of work to make sure that there was only one yeah. sack. Oh, yeah. You saw he used his legs to great effect, and he grinded out a couple of one- and two-yard gains to make sure that he didn't go down behind the line of scrimmage. But, Coach, you brought it up earlier today. There was great concern about this rebuilt Bengals offensive line early in the season. It seemed to many people that, oh, gosh, well, that didn't work. But, Coach, you cautioned patience, and sure enough, that patience is paying off. This team is starting to look like a real contender. When you have offensive linemen, they, they happen to line up next to each other. They have, it's not like signing a receiver or two that's, that lines up way out there by themselves it's, or a corner. It's five guys that work together side by side with blocking schemes, passing off games, and communicating with each other like by the second up there. So that doesn't happen overnight night. Kansas City did it a year ago, and that, that offensive line is turning into being one of their strengths. Cincinnati did it this year, and that offensive line is really becoming 
formidable. You're talking about guys that started at other teams with, with Kappa and Karras and Lyle Collins and then the, the rookie from North Dakota State who used to play with Christian Watson. I mean, North Dakota State's pull, putting them out. I used to play against them at Northern Michigan. Anyway, so they've got a real good offensive line getting better, and that's going to be really key for them to advance further than last year. You know, I think, did you describe them as solid? And I think that's fair enough. I'm not going to argue semantics with you. And yet, when you see Joe Burrow hands up, turning to the crowd after that third and 11 pickup to T. Higgins. What do you saying, think he was meaning That's right, that? bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. When you saw Jamar Chase doing the let it rain, let it rain in the faces of Chiefs secondary, yeah, they're solid, but man, they have a spark. They've got a swag. They have an inner belief that is just coming out of their pores. I believe they're a dangerous team, not just because they are playing well, but also because they are loose and they're enjoying their football. Doesn't that make you a little bit more dangerous? Yes, the mental state of a team is very critical, one way or the other. You get some teams that are waiting for the other shoe to drop or some teams that doubt themselves, some teams that have too much confidence. Right now, their mental state over there in Cincinnati and of course it doesn't hurt to beat Patrick Mahomes, right? For the third time. They, you know, they not that they're beating their chest, but they're saying, "Hey, you know what?" This, this team, this guy, they've been to the mountaintop, and now you, we've beaten them three times in a row. You know what? Maybe we believe, we believe that we need to be on the mountaintop, too. The Bengals on the mountaintop. Enjoy the view. Next up for you, the Browns at home. Next up for the Chiefs, the Broncos at mile high. Next up for us, this. Snap to Prescott. Good block from Smith. Throws it right. Caught. Lamb. He's got, oh, he broke a tackle. Runs to the 10. Runs to the goal line. He's in for the touchdown. scoring that touchdown, except he's C.D. Lamb. Sunday's final game in Dallas. Sunday's final score, Cowboys 54, Colts 19. Guys, this one was 21-19 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Takes me to the question of the day. Which version of this Dallas team should I believe? The ever so slightly above average NFL team we saw in quarters one through three or the potential champs we saw in the fourth? Mike M., you get the first shot at this one. I'll take the champs on the latter half. Mooch, you've coached in enough games to know that the ebbs and flows of a matchup, that's why there's four quarters in the game. The Colts say what you want about Jeff Saturday. The Colts for the most part have been in these games. I mean, they lost by one, right, to, to Philadelphia. They're one loss football team. I mean, this is – it shouldn't have been that much of a surprise that the game at times was competitive. Dallas is a better football team. They made critical plays, especially on the defensive side. I do think – and, Mooch, you've talked about the Niners being one of those teams. I don't know if they're, they're certainly in that mix to, to win the NFC. But the Dallas Cowboys, the makeup of this squad, to me, is still scary. They look as complete as anyone. The running attack is good. CeeDee Lamb continues to make plays for him. I trust Dak. And the defense is on the short list for one of the better ones in the NFL. They have the things that you want. And special teams is pretty good for this team that Turbin kid can is pretty good on the return game so to me the elements of a Super Bowl caliber squad you can check a lot of those boxes in Big D uh, coach, I'll did you th- mention that Odell Beckham is sitting there having lunch with them as we speak? Yeah. Well, you're yeah. guilty of looking ahead on the rundown because, oh, yes, in fact, that. I wanted to ask you. <laughs> we don't get a rundown. I wanted to ask you about that, but no, you're there, so let's ask you about it now. The question was posed to you earlier in the newsroom. I overheard it and jotted it down. Uh-oh. Somebody said, Coach, do you really need him? And your answer was, you can never have enough good players. Specific to this Dallas Cowboys <clears throat> team, do you believe that? Yeah, uh, to a certain extent. I wouldn't overpay him. 
I wouldn't give them th- this blockbuster deal uh, that keeps me from uh, signing some other good players or, or, or some free agents that I'm going to have this offseason um, because their offense is really good right now. What are they averaging since Dak's returned? I don't know, 37 points a game or whatever that is now after it's a 50-burger, okay? It's no Lions, mind you, but it, they're putting some points on the board. It's really good. And they're, and they're balanced. They're running the ball with Pollard and Zeke, and they're throwing the ball well enough, and, and, and Zeke is as good as Zeke has been. So do you need them? No, not really. I think they're a good team without them. But like I said, if you can add them at a, at a reasonable price because – you know, guys take, you know, like in Division One football, you get 85 scholarships, all right? One guy can't, if, unless he's the quarterback, can't use up 10 of those scholarships. Right. you got to be able to afford them if right. it makes sense. And I would do it for more than one year, more probably two or three, maybe two in an option year. Let me throw some stats at you. I want to get your thoughts on this. You talked about balance. Dak, 20 for 30, 170 yards, three touchdowns, very efficient. Tony Pollard, 12 carries, 91 yards, and two touchdowns. Zeke, 17 carries for 77 yards and one touchdown. C.D. Lamb, five catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Gallup made the most of his four catches for 23 yards, two touchdowns. Are those stats NFC title-chasing stats? Mm. Are those the kind of stats you think can get them over the line? Yeah, I, I, I do. Those stats are not as explosive as they were when you had Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson and those guys last year and the year before, but they're efficient and they're built for playoff time, cold weather. They're not going to have, I don't think Dallas will have a home playoff game. They're going to be on the road. That means Philly, right? Maybe, who else? Whatever that is, but you're going to have maybe cold, damp, rainy kind of weather. You need to have balance. Absolutely. Well, we can extrapolate based on what you're saying, which is absolutely right. Let's assume they are two games back of the Eagles now. Let's assume that as well as they are playing, they don't catch the Eagles. Then that means that they would end up with, very likely, the fifth seed with the next best record for non-division winners. So they would be the five seed, and they would very likely, of course, have to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nobody seems interested in taking the NFC South from them. They'd be the four seed, so it would be a home game for Tom Brady and the Bucs in Tampa facing the Cowboys. I certainly wouldn't bet against the Cowboys in that game. Now, let's assume the Cowboys were to win that game. They would require... The six or seven seed, we'll get to the Giants, the Commanders, the Seahawks. They would require one of those teams to win to avoid facing Philly. Okay. Because chances are, let's assume the Vikings do their business and win. Let's assume that the three seed San Francisco 49ers do their business and win. That means the Cowboys go into Philly in the divisional round to face the Eagles. Man, that would be a fascinating matchup, but it's the kind of balance that you are seeing and talking about is the kind of balance that could really threaten the Philadelphia Eagles in a divisional round game. Good weather, bad weather, whatever the case may be, that game travels. Philly's already beaten them in Philly. Yep. They play again. When? Christmas Eve. What a gift for all of us. Yes, the gift that keeps on giving. That Thanksgiving game of Dallas and the Giants had 42 million people watching it. Biggest regular season audience ever and so i think the christmas eve game will be (laughs) huge too and so you know you're right and they might have to go to tampa you remember 
in the first game. Now, they're a different team than they were in the first game. But Tampa beat them 19-3 in the first game in Dallas. Yeah. But I think Dallas is better than that right now. Yeah, hard to, hard to argue with that. Hey, Dallas, I spend a lot of time as an NFC East fan, as a Washington fan, reminding people of that which you haven't been for the last 26 years. But don't think for one minute that that means that we aren't paying attention to what you are now. And what you are now is impressive, well-played, great win. We'll see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and today I am joined by the coach, the mooch, Steve Mariucci, and the host, the sweet potato kid, Mike M. Next game in Philly was a revenge-fueled rout. Hurts, back, pumps, looks. He is floating it deep for A.J. Brown, who has it, and he scores! A.J. Brown took it away from Trey Avery and scored his second touchdown of the game. Final score, Eagles 35, Titans 10. A.J. Brown said after the game with a smile, Coach, today I'm going to have to give you this whooping, but I still love you, though. That was, <laughs> that was his description of the post-touchdown celebration where he was getting whipped by his fellow players uh, with towels. He also said, in all seriousness, yes, it has been personal ever since the trade. Well, Look, a Chinese proverb says uh, the man who seeks revenge should dig two graves for he will lie in one of them. I don't think A.J. Brown was fueled by revenge here, but he certainly wanted to remind the Titans of what they gave away. 
and boy didn't he. Eight catches, 119 yards, and two touchdowns. The second one, that one-handed catch oh, yeah. with no space between him and the D-back. Man, he's an impressive player. What was your takeaway for the Eagles in this one, Coach? Well, there have been a few significant trades in the offseason. You know, good players on new teams with, from Christian McCaffrey to Tyreek Hill. And, of course, A.J. Brown is, fits that that category, right? What a great get. So what you're seeing here between these two teams, Tennessee was the number one seed in the AFC last year, 13 and four. That's right. And, and uh, you either get better or you get worse. And I don't, I don't think Tennessee got better. They lost a great player and the Eagles got better by n- not only grabbing him, but he made Jalen Hurts better. They added to their defensive line now just recently. That's a better team than it was last year. So you, you have the tale of two teams, one on the rise and one on the decline just a little bit. But A.J. Brown is a real significant get for the Eagles, and he proved it again. Is that a cautionary tale for teams who think about a, a marquee position like wide receiver and the success that <clears throat> young wide receivers have had so quickly. So you think to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to go and pay AJ. I can go in the draft and go get a guy like Traylon Burks, who, by the way, hasn't, he got hurt in that game, did have the touchdown. I think that's the second on the season. But to me, I almost look, if they hit and they draft one of these other guys that have had success, you know, it does put pressure on your front office, but is that something that maybe teams should be looking at moving forward? Hey, maybe pay the known commodity as opposed to try to rebuild in the draft? Maybe, because some some other things come into play. It's like the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill. Sure. I mean, can we replace him? The other thing that I hate to keep bringing up is the salary cap and the money. I mean, they chose, they chose to take that money that they didn't have to spend on A.J. and draft a kid on his beginner contract. Yep. And, Similar measurables, the whole thing. They wanted him to be the A.J. Jr., right? Well, but they had other money to to add to their team. Teams have to consider that when they're tied up against the salary cap. They can't all afford to keep all these great players. Sometimes you got to say goodbye. Mikey M., coach mentioned that A.J. Brown makes Jalen Hurts better. I think he makes Devonta Smith better as well. Jalen Hurts' numbers yesterday, astonishing. 29 for 39, 380 yards and three touchdowns, and he spent most of the fourth quarter on the bench. Mikey M., if run defense was a potential vulnerability, we were seeking reasons to maybe question this Eagles team and their wonderful balance. There was a, a small question for them in terms of run defense, and look what they did against Derrick Henry. 11 carries, 30 yards. Tannehill was the leading rusher for the Titans, mostly because he was running for his life. The guy was sacked six <clears throat> times. Pressure comes, and they got to him again. Another sack by the Eagles. It's Redick and Sweat who combined earlier. And this pass rush just eating up this Titans offensive line. I think my question is, why isn't this demoralizing demolition of the, at the time, three seed in the AFC more impressive to everyone out there on the NFL map? I'm not hearing a lot of Eagles chatter today. I'm hearing a lot of Bengals, a lot of Chiefs about what the Chiefs didn't do, about what the Cowboys did do in the fourth quarter. And I have just proved that point myself. We led with Chiefs and Cowboys. But why isn't this more impressive How are they not the best team in the NFL, and why are we not more blown away by this? 
You're probably right. We're not giving them enough love. I think there's some doubts, number one, about the Titans, which does kind of poo-poo this conversation a little bit. I'm with you, though. There's an argument to be made. Old school, playoff bill. This team is tough. Derrick Henry last couple weeks has been held in check. This defense, by the way, I mean, Tannehill was their leading rusher in the game. Got sacked six times in this one. Five of those sacks, which came on third down. Every defensive coordinator, if you told them that was going to happen, they'd be going crazy, loving every single one of those moments. I think we've grown accustomed in a very short period of time to expect this from the Eagles. We were in week four, five, six, having a conversation. Are they the most complete team in the league? That It was the Bills in the preseason, and as the season has unfolded, it's been Philadelphia. And dare I say boring, because I don't know how else to characterize it, but this is what the expectation now level is for this squad. It is fun to watch, man. And the scene in a revenge game, I mean, A.J. Brown doubled up touchdowns, receiving yards, and receptions, I think, combined compared to what the Tennessee wide receivers did. Like, there was so much oomph in this game from a Philadelphia perspective. It's awesome. Titans fall to the four seed now. They are at seven and five. I think they suffer from the cushion that the AFC South suggests that you have because, of course, the next closest team on their heels, if we can even call it that in that division, are the Indianapolis Colts, and they sit down there in the 13th mm. seed in the AFC at 4-8-1. and one. They don't have the division wrapped up, but ostensibly they do have the division wrapped up. It's going to be yep. very difficult for that team to re-motivate, but hey, that is absolutely the job for you, Tennessee, and if anybody can get that done, it's Mike Vrabel. Next up for the Titans, the Jags at home. Next up for the Eagles, the Giants at MetLife. Next up for us, the Giants at MetLife. From 58, Gano's kick is short. Oh, and this game ends in a tie. Final score, Commanders 20, Giants 20. Mike Yam, you're a Giants fan. I am a Commanders fan. Help me navigate my emotions today. How are we supposed to feel today? You remain the sixth seed in the playoff yep. picture. We drop out. The Seahawks take our place. So I guess maybe you're more hopeful than I am. Help me with this. I'm disappointed. Uh, massively disappointed. You and I were actually texting about this game, and Mooch, I'd love to get your take on it because you've been in these scenarios before. End of regulation, and I told you, Andrew, I would go and look and double-check, and I didn't do it, but if my memory serves me correct. You're not a man of your word. We've I know. Known I'm this a for liar. A time. Um, uh, oh, buck 46 left on the clock, three okay. timeouts for the Giants, right? Okay. On first down, deep shot, Slayton misses. It's in his hands. I think that game was on Fox. They showed the graphic. 15.6% drop rate. Second highest in the NFL. I'm bummed by it, but I was sitting here going, you know what? You want to take a deep shot? I get it. Jones back to throw. Has time. Deep ball downfield. Slayton's wide open, and he makes the catch at the 40-yard line. Oh, he dropped it. They do another deep shot on second down, also an incomplete. Another deep ball. High down the right side, looking for his intended receiver, and Slayton is interfered with, but no flag. Giant bench is livid right now. And I'm sitting here going, my God, guys, all we need to do is get into field goal range with three timeouts and a buck 46. On third down, you have no choice. Third and 10. It's another incomplete pass. They got a punt. Back to throw again. Fastball over the middle in traffic and nearly intercepted incomplete. I, I, I left that one possession thinking to myself, what are we doing? Like, this is desperate. Let's just grind this thing out. We stop the clock when we need to stop the clock. Let's get into field goal range, get a win at, at home, and just move on. The fact that we're talking about a tie here, I got to tell you, man, like, just just really disappointed, especially for a team that's had some some moments the last couple weeks where you felt like they, they were right there and they didn't come out on the winning side. 
not running the ball on second down with Saquon, who found his legs again, I think we could argue, after two weeks of being bottled up. Coach, did this Giants team maybe in the moment that Mike is talking about forget who they are? Maybe a little bit, and I, and I remember washing it down with everybody, and I turned around and said they used up 19 seconds on that drive. Is that what it was? I, yeah, I so I, you, were, you had your eye yeah, on it. And it's, it's like oh, they punted the ball back. Three plays, zero yards, punting it back to the Heineke with the hot hand. And so um, tough loss, and you should feel bad, and you should just sulk all day long, okay? Because you know what? The Giants have the toughest schedule remaining. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, it's going to be hard for them, dare I say, make the playoffs because, uh, let's see, did, did Seattle leapfrog them? Yep, Seattle, so Seattle leapfrogged my commanders. So yeah. they are now commanders. the seventh seed okay. uh, at seven and five, Giants at seven, four and one. Do the Giants not have to play Philly twice? I think they have, they have a tough schedule. Commanders already beat Philadelphia. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the Giants started off great. We all know that. They won a lot of close games, but they were undefeated for a while. Um, but now reality is setting in, and it's going to be a dogfight the rest of the way. Three for 14 on third down, Washington. I felt good about the Giants play on the defensive side. There were a few moments there where they needed to buckle down. There was a big third down, uh, late third, early fourth, whatever it was. They came up with a big sack. Like, I, Look, this is all gravy. I think we got spoiled. As, I say we as a Giants fan. We got spoiled because the lore of what could be when we started racking up some of these close wins that Mooch is referring to. I think if you said to most Giants fans, at this point in the season, you, you're looking at a 7-4, and four, God, it should have been 8-4, a 7-4-1 record. <laughs> most Giants fans would have said yes. I think we're seeing the strides that every Giants fan wanted to see. I still think what the team does with Daniel Jones is the biggest question that's still remaining to be answered, but not that I'm punting on, on the postseason playoff hopes, but there are some positives I can take away. I, I just I don't want to completely crush the team. Five games to go for your Giants, four games to go for my commanders, and if you look at the teams around us fighting for those final two spots in the NFC, Seattle, who currently occupies the seventh seed, you've got the Detroit Lions on the come at nine, and the Green Bay Packers who refuse to go away at 10. I think you and I, if we're being honest, we wouldn't want to face any one of those three no. teams over the next five weeks. No, I, I wouldn't. Although on the flip side, I tell you this, I don't think those teams want to play Washington or the Giants. Fair enough. Because they're not gimme games and they're, they're tough. I think our perception heading into some of these things is not feeling great. I got to tell you, I had friends asking me like, hey, you think the Giants are going to win? And of course, I want them to win. I'm a Giants fan. Washington was playing better football heading into this week. I know you're hedging a little no, bit. No, no, you're like, right. You're right. Heading into this week, yeah, you're absolutely right. We were. We were. So won six I, out of seven. Yeah. yeah they, you know, so like there was some there was some confidence there. But, but I think on the day, if I'm being honest, you were playing better than we were. And there we end up with a 2020 tie. What, did we shake hands on this? Is that? Is that yeah, I'll, I'll shake hands. Let's, let's roll on that one. A yeah. good game. I was cold. Yeah. I know. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. Next game in Santa Clara, final score, 49ers 33, Dolphins 17. The story of this one, the man who started but didn't finish. That left ankle gets rolled up on in Garoppolo off on a cart. Jimmy G out with an ankle injury. I saw broken foot. I saw broken ankle. What's the final word on this? Uh, lost for the season foot. That's all that matters is lost for the season foot. I feel really badly for Jimmy G. I know you do yeah. too, Coach. You like this young man. He's just, he's been a winner. He's been injured. You know, in fact, even this past week, he and the Niners were talking about staying there. Yeah. The next year and beyond, which would have really... Th- in a monkey wrench for Trey Lance's career. but And then all of a sudden, the thing that's been biting him, he gets hurt again, and it's a shame. And, and that's what this sport is all about sometimes, is lucky enough to stay healthy. It's a shame that he's going to miss the rest of the season. Really puts the 49ers in a bit of a bind, but Brock Purdy played pretty. pretty. See what you did there. Did you Brock, Purdy, pretty, Brock pretty, pretty. Purdy played pretty darn pretty. good. You're right. 25 for 37, 210 yards, two touchdowns. He did have that one pick. He does have the name of, you know, a small Indiana high school homecoming king, Brock Purdy, you know, cutest kid in class. Um, but now he's being handed the keys to the car, assuming that the 49ers do not make the tragic mistake of trying to claim Baker Mayfield off waivers. On the waiver wire, the, the 49ers are 24th. There are 23 teams above them that may make a move for Baker Mayfield. Coach, Baker <clears throat> is available as of this morning, waived by the Carolina Panthers after going 1-5 and five in his starts. Do you trust Purdy having signed Josh Johnson before the Baker news hit? You also have Jacob Eason on your roster. So there's three quarterbacks there, or do you make the move as a coach? Do you consider making the move for Baker Mayfield? I'm sure there are discussions. What's a little weird, not weird, what's a little interesting is the just after Jimmy G gets hurt, Baker Mayfield gets released. So you just wonder if there's been any discussions about doing just this, okay? Now, the way Brock Purdy played, 
he's got to be the player next week. He's got to be the starter against Tom Brady next week in Levi Stadium against the Bucks, right? He knows the offense. He knows his receivers. He gets it. He looked like he was ready to do this with very limited reps. And so you, you go with him. Now, it's a matter of who do we want suited up as a backup. And so I just learned really this morning that Josh Johnson is on board, and I'd like the kid a lot. Uh, I've known him since he was in college over at USD, the Toreros, and a very good quarterback for Jim Harbaugh, in fact. And so, um, and he's been around the block, so to speak, like seven different teams. And so, and he's not going to create any waves. If the only discussion with Baker Mayfield would be like, if, if they are going to do that, he's got, he, you know, he was the most highly regarded, first pick in the draft. He started for a couple different teams. They were, these two teams that he was on, not even close to the caliber of team that the 49ers are right now. Okay. So he would play better if he got in, but it would be a matter of, is he good for the room? Is he good for the locker room is he good is he a distraction is you know all of those other things that have nothing to do with throwing a football is he the right guy is he the right fit or is Josh Johnson experienced enough and uh, let's let's see how far Brock can take us all of those questions that you ask totally legitimate questions certainly considering the way that the career narrative of Baker Mayfield has gone guys let me throw some stats your way CMC picked up the slack 17 carries for 66 <clears throat> yards on the ground eight receptions for 80 yards and a touchdown through the air. The 49ers got to two or three times. Bosa gets all three of those sacks. They forced four turnovers in all. They finally allowed a fourth quarter touchdown, but that was the first fourth quarter touchdown that they have allowed in five straight games. My question for you, Mike Am, is about the Dolphins. Willie McGinnis earlier today said Tua had a tough day at the office, and I got a sense from Willie that he is encouraging both the Dolphins and Tua to turn the page, look forward, don't look back, move on. But it was a tough day at the office. My question for you is, was it a particularly tough day at the office because Mike McDaniel only chose to rush the ball eight times on the day. With two guys who used to wear that San Francisco yes. uniform. We, we talked earlier in this podcast about A.J. Brown, that redemption. A little different, obviously. The circumstances aren't the same. But, look, when you go up against your old squad, man, you go flex a little bit. You want to see some of that happen. Uh, look, I think the tackle's being out is is a big factor. You mentioned some of those statistics with Bosa. And it's not to say that this Niners team, uh, MJ and I were texting about this last night uh, at the end of these games. What I thought was really interesting was you can, she had brought up how good the Niners defense was. And I said, I totally agree. Can you imagine there was a stretch? They had like six of their starters not playing seven, something along those lines, beginning of the season. Can you imagine how we'd be talking about this team had they been healthy the mm. entire season? I think historically great. Uh, this the potential for this defense. And I think, not to make this back on the Niners conversation, but I, I do think there's something to be said for the situation they could have been had Trey Lance not been hurt. I remember John Lynch. I was I had, had the Niners for NFL Network um, in that draft when they traded up to three to take Trey Lance. And I vividly remember John Lynch in the press conference. I was on Zoom because we weren't in person at that point. But I remember him specifically saying, hey, we are a really good football team. And typically when you pick third overall, you don't have this type of roster. So as much as we want to say about Jimmy and the injury, and I'm not saying Brock Purdy's the answer, but I, I was going through some of my notes ahead of the draft around this guy. 
he's he's not a scrub either. I mean, what he accomplished at Iowa State is really impressive. And, you know, I can go through the notes if you want, but the point is, like, there's still a lot of pieces here. And I think from a Miami perspective, turn the page, losses happen. The Bills, who we've talked about as one of the best teams, the Eagles we've talked about as one of the best teams, they're not undefeated. So stuff like this happens in a road game. I think it's disappointing because of the lack of the run, the fact that they didn't have their tackles healthy for this matchup, and the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo gets, gets hurt, and you're talking about Brock Purdy beating you. I think all of that stuff makes this one sting a little more. As much as I love Jimmy G, I love his countenance, I love his disposition, I love his attitude. As much as I root for him, I am every bit as frightened of the 49ers today on Monday as I was before that game started, no matter who is playing quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Next game, Ravens 10, Broncos 9. They're taking a look at backup quarterback Tyler Huntley. During our break, Lamar Jackson came to the sideline. Jackson hasn't missed a snap yet this season until right now. Question for you, coach. Is the Lamar Jackson injury worse for the Ravens than the Jimmy G injury is for the Niners? No. Uh, Huntley is a experienced. When you put a quarterback room together, that's I call it a pitching staff. You want to have like kind in there, meaning you don't want your first guy to be some option quarterback and your next guy to be some tall guy that has to play from the pocket because everything changes if he's in the game, right? Well, Huntley can do most everything. He might not be as fast or as quick, but he is a very, very capable backup to continue running the same offense over there in Baltimore with experience, and he's won before. Different deal than coming off with Mr. Irrelevant. No disrespect. I think Purdy played a great game. Yes. Um, but he doesn't have any of the experience that that uh, Huntley has to be the backup. To be clear, Lamar's knee injury is not season ending. The question, of course, is when will he be back? We don't know the answer to that right now. The Broncos continue to do what the Broncos do, Mike Yam, which is to make things difficult for their opponents and yet fail to do enough on the offensive side to really give them a chance to win again. Yeah, just like Miami's disappointed because I guess they lost to a Brock Purdy. I think Denver's disappointed because they had the ability to go and win that football game. Can't get over the top. And I think you're 100% right, by the way, not to circle back on, on Huntley for a second, but I watched every single snap that he played in college at Utah. And I got to tell you, I, I think I couldn't agree more with Mooch. I don't think he's as fast. He's not as big. He's not as strong. The one element, though, that I think is actually, and, and some I might get hate on this one, I actually think he's a more accurate passer. He did not miss a lot of throws when he was playing at Utah. And I don't think that this offense is totally tapped into that and he had some moments last year where I think he had four starts five starts whatever it was a season ago when Lamar was hurt Tyler Huntley's a good quarterback so look if this team's healthy and the pieces are around him are there I think they're going to be pretty good Tyler Huntley if you're looking for a vote of confidence you just got two one from Steve Mariucci and one from Mike Yam next game Packers 28 Bears 19 the story of the game Christian Watson end zone Watson touchdown right corner and the end zone Christian Watson, a huge play for the Packers. <laughs> we'll take the laugh and move on. Next game, Browns 27, Texans 14. Watson underneath center, throwing, end zone. Oh, it's picked off in the end zone by Petrie, and the Texans have their second turnover of the game. The story of the game, rust for Deshaun Watson? Rust plus a lot of things, right? I mean, when you're 700 games days away from playing, um, 
it, it goes to show that this this sport, especially, we're not just shooting threes here. We're 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 having to do a lot of things with a lot of other players, and. Yes, Rust, for sure. Uh, missed some throws. Just was a little out of whack. Um, I think the other thing is it was a difficult spot for him to be in. Here's smattering of booze here as Watson takes the field for the first time. Same deal when he first came out for his warm-ups about 90 minutes before a kick. I mean, he's getting booed every time he's over center. Not just when he walked on the field, but they were just on him. He had to handle the emotions of that whole return to Houston. And so it was a, it was a hey, the defense special teams won that game for him. Oh, yeah. And uh, they answered the bell. Uh, he'll be better as he goes. He certainly didn't look like the Deshaun Watson of a couple years ago. I was advised by one of our fantasy experts to pick up the Browns defense. Drops to throw. Here comes Miles Garrett. They throw the ball. Got tipped and picked off. It got picked off. And there goes Tony Fields for a touchdown. This is a Browns team that had three interceptions coming into the day. They've got two today. They've got two defensive touchdowns today. And all of a sudden, we can relax a little bit a here. Little bit. I failed to act quickly enough. Back one of my you. competitors in my league did. I did not. Consequently, I'm probably going to lose a close one tonight after Brady and Godwin take the field. Next game, Raiders 27, Chargers 20. Downfield for Devontae Adams. It's at the five. Touchdown, Raiders. And that's even more glorious. Devontae Adams, eight catches, 177 yards, and two touchdowns. Mike Am, you and I called for a Raiders winning streak some six or seven <laughs> weeks ago. The first two or three weeks after our proclamation didn't go quite the way we planned, but here they are now starting to win, and dare I say they're starting to scare some of the people in the hunt in the AFC. They're five and seven. They're not dead yet. Are you hopeful for the silver and black? Better late than never, right? Mm -hmm. I, at this point, it's three consecutive wins for them, and they got a reeling Rams team on the road. I, I think we could be talking about four consecutive wins. I don't know where it ends up after that because it's the Patriots, it's on the road against the Steelers, and then it's the Niners and Chiefs, so good luck with those particular matchups, but there's some confidence here. And here's the other thing, Andrew, like we've seen this defense actually have some moments in these last couple games when they've won, and that was non-existent at the beginning of the season. They were not generating turnovers, they were not getting pressure on the quarterback, and I think that's the biggest reason why we were talking about L's and not W's. Next game, Seahawks 27, Rams 23. Back inside, reaching up, making a catch, touchdown, Seahawks, are you kidding me? Gino, 72.7% completion percentage remains the top number in the NFL. The Seahawks jump into the final NFC wildcard spot. There they are at number seven. It was a win they were expected to get, but it was on the road and it was a divisional game. And I don't care who is playing in those games. Those are always tough outs, as you know better than anyone, Coach. An important win for the Seahawks. Absolutely, and uh, keep them alive and well in this playoff race. They're chasing the Niners right now, but you know what? In a couple of weeks, the Niners have to go up there and play in front of the 12s. Good luck with that, right? So this this uh, NFC West is really going to be interesting right down to the wire. And I've heard a lot of conversation about, you know, we start talking about the draft now, right? And about who needs quarterbacks in the draft and this and that. 
you know what? If I'm if I'm Pete Carroll and I'm not, I'm I'm a Geno Smith fan, and he's my quarterback. And if I have a, a my first pick in the draft, can, can I can draft somebody that's going to come in and start at a different position on my team? Yeah. I'm going with Geno Smith because he has been he's been exceeding expectations for most people, not his own. He always. The guy, the guy backed up all these great quarterbacks, never really got a lot of chances, and now he's getting a chance and he's shining. Love it. Well, to your point, looking ahead to the draft, if the draft were held today, the Houston Texans would have the number one overall pick. The Chicago Bears would have the number two overall pick. And the Seattle Seahawks, the seventh seed in the NFC with a record of seven and five, would have the third overall pick in the draft. Why, you ask? You already know the answer. Because of the trade that the Broncos made to get Russell Wilson, so there they are, winning on the field and winning in the draft room with the third overall pick. Coach, you're raising your hand. What you got? So here's what's going to happen, okay? Just uh, focus. You think they trade out? Yes, because the Texans are going to take a quarterback, the best one, all right? The Bears do not need a quarterback. They took one with Justin Fields. Everybody that needs a quarterback... Is going to call up John Schneider up there in Seattle and say, hey, John, listen, uh, we need to move up there. Uh, and it's uh, we'll give you our first and our second and our third and all this. They're going to get rich quick because Geno Smith is playing well enough so they can use that with they can trade it away for three or four more people. So translation, who is the savior of the Seattle Seahawks franchise? Geno Smith. Next game, Falcons, who refuse to put real pressure on the Bucks, lose at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 19-16. Pick it empty, set first and... 15. He throws the pass down the middle. What a catch! And that is Connor Hayward reeling that pass in for a 17-yard touchdown. No need to comment on that one. We go to the final game of the day. Golf up under center. Turns. Fakes the give to Swift. Throws. End zone. Wide open. They didn't make the TA broadcast rundown. I'm a little peeved at our colleagues for that, but we will pick up the scraps that they left on the cutting room floor. The final score in Detroit, the Detroit Lions 40. I think you call that a 40 burger. I'm not totally sure why. Lions 40, Jags 14. Interesting note, the Jags were favored to win this game. They were a road favorite. The Lions felt disrespected. The Lions clearly were disrespected. The Lions put a beat down on Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, and they have just put themselves in the hunt. Impressive effort offensively, defensively, and special teams. And hats off to these fans, too. Showed up today. Made a difference. They were loud. Coach, you, former Lions head coach, get the first word on this one. How excited are you for Dan Campbell and these boys? They are biting kneecaps every week, man. This is a team that is just fighting. Their their record isn't what they want it to be, but they're in every game. They can score points. And they are another team, to me, they're a team like Seattle, okay? Seattle's picking third. Lions are fourth, but I think they can just stay with uh, Jared Goff as their quarterback, take that fourth pick. People are going to move up and want, they could go get a great player, whether they need another tackle or a pass rusher, whatever, or 
trade back and get several more picks. That's what they did with the Matthew Stafford trade. They're gaining some good draft choices, and they're hitting on them, and they're making their team better overall. And you let Jared Goff just keep playing for a little bit here while they're building the rest of the team. Yammer, there are certain guys who have the word unguardable attached to them here in this NFL season. Tyreek Hill occasionally, Travis Kelsey occasionally, Justin Jefferson sure. certainly. Definitely. How about Amon Ross St. Brown, that <laughs> kid? They know that he's going to be the number one target, and he still manages to get himself open and have huge days most weeks. You know why I love Amon Ross St. Brown? Mm. Because there is a... Well, I was about to drop an F-bomb, which is not good, but there's a little bit of that in him. You know, if you watched Hard Knocks, I love up any guy who can name every wide receiver in order that was taken before he was. And he goes through the entire list. As he's naming the, the players, I'm sitting here going, yo, this dude is seriously pissed off. He's another guy. I saw all of his snaps when he was playing at USC. My previous job was in college sports, which is why people are probably going, well, Fight how, on. why are you watching all this Utah football and SC football? The, the point is, Amon Ross St. Brown was a game changer when he was at SC. This is not a surprise that he's thriving like this. So I, I'm with you 100%. He doesn't get enough credit. To be fair, though, and I know fantasy owners, not they'll throw this out there. He hasn't had a, a ton of great success getting into the end zone most of the season, but we've now seen this on display. The dude can play. Coach, you know Amon Ra and Equinemius's oh. father. Yes, I do. And you it's, must have a special smile on your face and affection for this yeah, team well, and this player when you watch I, them on Sundays. It's a special family. Yeah. They're brilliant. They're athletic. They're everything you want, right? But I got to know John Brown, Mr. Universe. That's right. Mr. Universe, Mr. Universe, twice, all right? He was working, at, when I was coaching at Cal State Fullerton, that's where I met my wife, okay? She's a Titan. He was working out down there in the weight room, like, all the time. So we, he and I he and I got to know each other well, and, and we'd go in the weight room together. He would lift, and I'd watch him. It's <laughs> unbelievable, man. <laughs> He, Mr. America, or then universe, everything, man. And you know what? The kids, kids are a chip off the old block. Yeah. Yep. He still trains them in the off season. Yeah, he needs to start training me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to thank today's special guests, Michael Yam and Steve Mariucci. What did we learn about these two today? Well, we learned that Mike Yam does a lot of texting with colleagues on Sundays. And we learned... <laughs> That Steve Mariucci is smart enough not to lift in the weight room with Mr. Universe, but he is not smart enough not to take a hit from Samaj P. Ryan on the practice field. What will you learn tomorrow? You will learn the best matchups of week 14. Say it with me. We're at week 14 in the NFL, including the total access game of the week, the Philadelphia Eagles against Mike Yams reeling, sort of, small r in quotes, reeling after a tie. New York football giants. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.